0: Chapter 2 of Biography of Mohammed Jibakwaqua by Samuel Moore. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 2. Government in Africa. In Africa, they have no written or printed forms of government, and yet the people are subject to certain laws, rules, and regulations. The government is vested in the king as supreme. Next to him are chiefs or petty sovereigns. There are also other officers whose titles and office cannot be explained very well in English. The king of Zugu, as before stated, is tributary or subservient to the king of Burgu. Theft is considered the greatest crime in some parts of Africa, and the thief frequently receives the punishment of death in consequence. When any one is suspected or charged with theft, he is taken before the king, where a sort of trial is given him. If found guilty, he is either sold or put to death. Where the latter sentence is carried into effect, anyone is allowed to stone or otherwise abuse and maltreat him, when he is finally led to the top of a small hill in the city and either stoned or shot to death. Murder is not considered so great a crime, and a murderer does not receive capital punishment, but is mostly sold as a slave and sent out of the country. The crime of adultery is severely punished, but the heaviest punishment is inflicted upon the man. The case in point is thus described by Mahama, he says. I remember an individual that was severely punished for this crime. The king's brother had several wives, one of whom was suspected of incontinency. Both were brought before the king. I was with him at the time. The king ordered me to get a rope which was fastened around the man's arms, behind his back and tied. Then a stick was placed in the rope, which had been wetted so as to make it shrink, and then twisted around until the poor creature was forced into a confession of his guilt, when he was released and given away as a slave. The woman received no other punishment than that of witnessing the torture inflicted upon her guilty paramour. The farmers have their crops secured in this way. The farms not being fenced in, the king makes a law that every man who owns a horse, donkey, or other animal must keep them from his neighbor's premises. If any animal strays upon the neighbor's premises and does the least damage, he is caught and tied up, and the owner obliged to pay a heavy fine before he can recover the animal. This is the style of impounding in Africa debts are sometimes collected in the following manner viz if a person in one town or city is indebted to a person residing at a distance and refuses or neglects to pay such a debt the creditor residing in such distant town or city may seize upon any of his neighbors whom he may happen to catch in that town and if he has any money or thing valuable the creditor is allowed to take it from him and tell such stranger to get it from his fellow-townsman when he returns home again. If he has no property about him, he is allowed to seize upon his person, and detain him until the debt is paid. Such a law in this country would have very great effect in keeping the citizens pretty much confined to their own homes, as the danger of traveling would be very great. The chances of return to an anxious and affectionate wife would, in most civilized countries, be very small indeed. Supposing the rambler to be destitute of property, and supposing him to be a man of means, there's no doubt of his means being considerably reduced ere his return to his happy home. The soldiers are a privileged class, and whatever they need, either in town or city, they are allowed to take, and there is no redress from any complaint made against them. If a slave becomes dissatisfied, he leaves his master and goes to the king, and becomes a soldier, and thereby gains his freedom from his master. No fugitive slave law can touch him. These are some of the principal matters which are brought before the king for adjustment, which he disposes of according to the laws of the land. End of chapter 2